What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rodeo Wagon Podcast, brought to you by the Western Edge app and produced by Cosmic Cowboys. We're here with Logan Corbett. What have you been up to, man? You, man, you I am just busy. Yeah, it, it's been pretty busy, but just raising kids, really. I got four. I got four kids. My oldest is six, and so anyway, between junior rodeos and stuff, they keep us pretty busy. And and uh, I've been traveling a little bit uh, with High Low Pro Rodeo. Uh, I just. Um, a arena director for them and help them set up and tear down and they their schedule is pretty easy so we we i don't have another one until august so anyway we've been uh been traveling around checking on some athletes and uh man really just uh yeah just staying busy man i just saw uh you were in were you in texas or yeah you? i was in yeah i was in el paso i went down to Went down to old El Paso. Did get to go to Rose's Cantina, like the Marty Robbins song, which was really cool. It's a uh, historic building there, like pretty much on the Rio Grande. Like, I'm not exaggerating. You can throw a rock across the river almost from where you sit in Rose's Cantina. So it's right on the border. The food was mediocre at best but it was uh it was really cool uh really cool experience to be able to go in there and see it and um so anyway yeah we were in el paso with hilo and it was man it was a good rodeo they sold it out it's been harry vold had a rodeo there for years uh i want to say like 40 50 60 years i don't know exactly but it it hasn't been there in i want to say over 10 years really and they yeah they they had just two perfs and they sold it out the day before the first perf it was it was sold out so 5200 seating capacity sold out both days and let me tell you those people like to party and it was uh, they they had a great time it was it was wild it was the great performances the had um just uh, the right amount of entries it was it was a good rodeo yeah, it was did cool. you did you have anybody like athletes with champion living there? I, yeah, I did. I had a couple. Um, I had a couple there, and and one of my I had a, a calf roper um, that I've been working with for the last six months, and and I, like I've I've really been going through naturally, you know, as a as a, a bareback rider. Uh, I mean, you know, I was a college rodeo coach at one point in time. It's not that I don't know anything about calf roping, but as somebody that's uh, only entered one time and thank the Lord that I missed my calf. Cause I don't know what would happen if I'd actually caught him. I'm just <laughs> not extremely familiar with the biomechanics, the actual movements and what goes on. And so I've been studying a lot on that over the last, you know, year or so and, and getting to put some of that in place, working with this client. And, uh, it was awesome. He was in Slack and he was eight, three, he broke the barrier, but his run was I mean, flawless, like it looked, it looked like effortless and, and it was just so cool to see like from him, from him getting off and running down the line and flanking his calf, just the tie, like just to see all those little pieces come together. It was so cool to, to watch that, to watch that run. And so anyway, it it would just solidified in my mind, like, okay we're we're doing the right thing like i'm i'm that we're on the right track i'm not saying that i have it all figured out i don't think i don't think we ever are right we're probably just less wrong but yeah, i right. you know i i think that uh we're definitely headed in the in the right in the right direction and so it was it was really really cool I, that that is interesting especially when you get into if you guys aren't just training 
bronc riders or bull riders as far as the that whole the industry that's starting to develop yeah there's so yeah. many different disciplines and and these disciplines are completely different in the biomechanics it's not the same i i bet that takes a lot what it, what does it, that it, look it, like and how you guys kind of prepare the team to develop and address that i mean yeah. certainly you're going to have you have certain things that are general fitness Mm-hmm. You know, yep, just core for sure. fitness, y- yep. you need to develop these things, but then you get into, and I, anytime you get into high level sports or athletics, you yes, always sir. begin to get into very specific biomechanics and how the body's functioning and what you need to be doing to enhance specific body parts or movements, I would say, probably the more technical term. I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things that we've done is Doug Champion, who's the owner of Champion Living Fitness, he's uh, done a really good job of assembling a really diverse group of coaches. Uh, so sure, it, we didn't start very diverse. He's a, a bareback rider himself who hired me, another bareback rider. And then we branched out and hired Paul Lloyd, who's a bull rider. And next thing we know, we had Tyler Button, who's a bull rider. And all of a sudden we are getting real locked in on the rough stock end of things. <laughs> but now we've got, we have uh, Doug and then there's, there's nine of us coaches underneath Doug. And we've got a few girls, uh, Megan Epperson, Natasha McCann, Jessica Bragg. Some of them have like a PT background, um, okay. a physical therapy background, and they competed in goat's time. We just added a, a, a young lady by the name of Libby Winchell. She's our newest coach. She just graduated graduated from Tarleton and she's awesome, but she went to the college finals as a freshman in the goat tying in that region. That's she's, she's very handy at what she does. She breakaway ropes. She's actually headed to Greeley, I think today or tomorrow to go rope. And so she's, uh, uh, she's currently competing in the breakaway roping. And, and so what we try to do is we just try to add coaches that not that I can't learn about breakaway roping. I, I have learned a lot or calf roping. I want to learn more. I want to be able to handle those things. But having people that have competed in those events uh, is helpful because they nobody's done it like them. They've lived it. They understand way better than anybody can look on the outside looking in and say, well, that looks like this is what they're doing and these are the movements. But when you've lived it, that's a little bit, it's, it's way different. And so we've done a pretty good job of putting together a diverse, uh, a diverse group of coaches. Doug's done a, a great job of that. And then the other thing, like you said, that, that I, I most people, when we talk about, just say, for example, a 19-year-old bull rider, um, in fact, I just got one. Uh, we work with uh, we work with some of the PBR teams, and I just got a young man who's like 19 or 20. He's a protected roster, first-time PBR team, uh, is extremely talented, has never worked out a day in his life, formally, in the gym. He's just worked outside his whole life. Uh, a lot of skill development. He's probably really got it going on mentally and his, his skills are great, but he's never worked out formally. And so for me, when we get started, we're not doing a ton of, like you said, real skill specific sports specific stuff. I really just, I I just need to establish that base. I need him to be able to collect, uh, connect like neurologically with his muscles, you know, like, Hey, when I squeeze your, when I say squeeze your shoulder blades back, like, can you do that? Or, or do you want to shrug your shoulders up? Like, I just need to get those neural pathways firing and learn how to 
he knows how to hinge at the hips from riding his drop barrel. Right. But when you would tell him to maybe go do a deadlift or a Romanian deadlift, he might be, you know, bending over with rounded shoulders like a monkey. And it's just because he's never used those pathways before. So that's where we focus on with those guys that are very new, which is very typical for 18, 19, 20 year old athletes in all rodeo events, not just bull riding to just not have a lot of formal gym experience, which is totally okay. We do. We start with a base. Once we've trained, you've trained with us for a year, two years, or you come into me, you wrestled in high school, you've lifted weights for consistently, relatively consistently for four or five years. Then maybe we take a little bit of a different approach. I'm not going to have that young 19 year old man that's on a PBR team that's never formally worked out. I'm not going to have him walk in the gym and go back squat. The right. time that it would teach yeah, me sure. that it would take me to teach him how to properly back squat. Uh, it's, it's just at this point in the game, it's not worth it. We've got the team series coming up. We can accomplish something very similar as far as adaptation with a dumbbell. Now, if yeah. he works with me through the season, we get in and he's got some time this winter where he's not going to be going, you know, getting on five, six bulls. Sure. Maybe. Hey, I'd really like to work on your strength. And in my mind, there's, it, not really anything like a barbell to be able to teach strength as long as we have proper form whether it's a deadlift a back squat bench press those kind of things then i could take that time and as he progresses in the gym then we can maybe become a little bit more sport specific or we can like you say we can kind of go down some of those rabbit holes of chasing strength or chasing power production or chasing hypertrophy some of these guys i don't want to go down a rabbit hole with some of these guys that weigh 130 pounds and they're like oh i need to stay light i'm like yeah absolutely you definitely don't need to be huge but uh a little bit of muscle would probably help you be more explosive uh definitely be way more durable uh, and would actually help your performance. So maybe our goal is hypertrophy, and that would be something we could pursue once we kind of get that that base going. Do you find too like so the complexity? So compound movements are key, right? Compound yes, movements are key, and that's a big foundation. But people don't realize how much time it takes to do compound movements correctly. It's not yes, the sir. Same. So yeah, even absolutely. though isolated workouts are secondary. And are great. Do you find that in, you know, you get a young guy or you get somebody not young, but somebody that's not been, you know, training, yes, training and having that that background and they come in, say it's like in the middle of a team series or something. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time to spend with them to develop a compound movement. Do you find isolated movements to be productive and maybe being quicker to kind of get proper form and in that? quicker development if you if you have to yeah absolutely and there's nothing we we just had a podcast our our podcast we just did an episode on this not too long ago and there's nothing wrong with isolation exercises but the you know like you talked about the the compound movements which if you're you know not familiar compound movements are going to be like they're going to be more multi-joint full body type whether it be a deadlift or a, or a, a squat pattern of some kind something like that those compound movements you really get more bang for your buck so in that situation say i get somebody that's already we're in the team series we don't have any rest they're going to an event this weekend they might be getting on practice bulls this week uh, what i'm going to do if if they're like hey I, i'm adamant about training i'm not going to get on a practice bull for another 48 hours 
Um, so I've got a little bit of time. I'm probably going to lean to more towards number one. I have to check and see what their squat mechanics are, just body weight. So I, we've done an evaluation. Their body weight squat looks pretty good. The evaluation is a huge part of programming anybody. I can't tell you where we're going unless I know kind of where you've been and I need to kind of get that baseline. But if their squat mechanics look pretty good, just body weight, then I'm probably going to throw him into maybe just a goblet squat with a, with a, a, a dumbbell. It doesn't even have to be super heavy, but we're going to, we're going to front load that dumbbell kind of in a front rack position. Yep. Um, and it's going to load their core a little bit, which, you know, we can talk about later, maybe, or maybe not, but you know, rough stock athletes love core work. So it's going to load their core a little bit. And, uh, but it, it gives, it does give us a little bit weight. We can throw some tempo we can make him you know go go down nice and slow for two seconds hold it for two full seconds at the bottom and then kind of explode up four to five seconds a rep a guy does eight or ten of those um that's going to be i mean you're going to be you know feeling it for sure so that would be a way for me to be able to get some stimulus from him at eight to ten repetitions we might not be necessarily in the strength zone but it would definitely get us we we've really got to for somebody that's never trained before i need to work on a little bit of that muscle endurance first and so that would maybe accomplish that he's definitely going to feel it the next day uh, uh, you know hopefully not just completely wrecked out but he's going to feel it which again rough stock athletes love to you know, leave the gym feeling like they just trained hard. And so, um, so that, that would be probably my direction. Isolation movements though, are, are definitely, they're great things for uh, anybody's program. There's nothing wrong with, you know, doing uh bicep curls or any kind of like open chain movement, like a, like a, a hamstring curl on a machine or, or the, uh, the knee extension, you know, quad flexion machine on, uh, uh, that those are great. Like, I mean, they're totally a part of a program, but if I had 20 minutes to work out and it was leg day, if I had 20 minutes or 30 minutes to work out, I'm probably going to go in and go to right to the barbell. And I'm either going to, depending on, on what I've been doing that week, I'm going to back squat or I'm going to deadlift and I'm going to take plenty of rest in between. I'm going to go relatively heavy. And as opposed to hitting a hamstring curl, maybe a, a single leg Romanian deadlift, maybe two or three isolation type movements, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with something more compound. And, and how did that because that's all ideal, right? So in ideal circumstances, but like if there's anything I know about this sport is nothing's ideal to the point where I used to you, you, back squats. That was my thing. I That yes, was my sir. favorite workout. I can't do them anymore. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I've, I've, had, I've had three Injuries shoulder and surgeries and my the anatomy in my shoulders does not yes, allow sir. for range. And that was a decision going into, you know, one of the decisions we make going into some of these surgeries talking to tandy he's like look this yep. is the one you need to do but you're going to yep. lose range there's going to be things yep. you'll never be able to do again but yep. you'll be able to ride bulls and it won't impact your bull riding mm -hmm. uh, so then you learn to make adjustments so you're still doing the 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 squats you're just learning to develop different you know ways of doing putting putting that load on the part of your body that you're you're working out absolutely we've got it we've got to be creative because <laughs> you are not unique in that everybody i i mean i i work in the fitness industry and and i you know if they can like i can i can that's about as straight as this arm goes as <laughs> i rode i rode uh 
I rode bareback courses with my right arm and I've had a show, uh, an elbow surgery in there and it still just doesn't go completely straight, which really messes things up when you're trying to do demo videos in which you need to have a straight arm, you know, like that we were all getting together, all us coaches filming and they're like, Oh yeah. Hop up there and do a pull-up demo video. So I like do one rep and then Paul's like, no, get down. No, Somebody no, else dude. needs to do it. So, I mean, everybody, we've all got, we all, we all have these bumps and bruises. We carry right. these things with us, whether uh, a, a lot of things we see with rodeo athletes are ankles, broken ankles. And so they don't have a great range of motion in their ankle, which is going to affect your squat as well, or shoulders. We've got hip issues. A lot of rough stock athletes are going to have some sort of impingement if they if they're not seeing the symptoms of it yet, they probably will over the course of their career, their hip impingement where uh, their labrums kind of getting pinched because they spend so much time straddling a barrel, a bull, all that kind of stuff. And so. Uh, we spend a lot of time squeezing with our legs and we spend very little time pressing out with our legs or what we would call like abduction. Yep. We we spend very little time there. And so we, we get these imbalances and all those things have to be considered when we're trying to write a program for a rodeo athlete. We can't simply say, okay, you're, you're a bull rider. Uh, here's, and we have a template on our champion living fitness app. It's, it's uh, maybe $19 and it's like, good exercises for bull riders. Totally that. And if you've never worked out before, that might be a great place to start, but for us to really be effective, I've got to have, we need to do some sort of evaluation. I need to talk to you about your past injuries and what kind of things are still giving you pain. Maybe what, what you've got going on now. Uh, Dawson Gleaves is a bull rider, really handy bull rider. Just yeah. one second in the nation at the college finals and uh, is on uh, one of the Texas teams, uh, the PBR, but Rattlers. we, yeah, exactly. We talked at, uh, at rodeo Houston and he was like, man, I've been meaning to call you. I need some help with my hips. My hip just, man, it's bugging me all the time. And we, sure enough, we got, hooked up shortly after Houston and he started training and and a lot of that was he's he had a little bit of impingement issue going on we're squeezing 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 and and we're able to now I've tried to level him out a little bit excuse me and he's he hasn't had uh, that I'm aware of and I ask him pretty regularly and unless he's lying to me but he hasn't had hip issues for the last two to three months and it's because he's putting in the work we're doing some stuff that typical bull riders wouldn't necessarily think to do I, I why would i need to do booty work i'm not trying to have a big booty i'm trying to ride bulls you know but it's like we've got to offset some of that stuff so sure. uh, i completely agree with you in that your range of motion is affected through past injuries and we've really got to be as as specific and individualized as possible when we're trying to write training programs especially for rodeo athletes because of their their history Hey, that's even getting into that, like the recovery part of, so getting into after competition. So they're the process. I go through a process after yes, I sir. ride and I, this is going to be different, say for a rodeo athlete for, I do PBRs. I'm gone on the weekend yep. and during yep. the week I'm at home to recover and to push and, and then go and I get on, you know, all my bulls on the weekend. So yes, I have that process now of, when I'm done riding bulls, what do those first two days look like mm. you know, from the time yep. I get home when I'm probably wore out because I've been driving all night to, yep. you know, Monday, Tuesdays, when I start to kind of you start to change that starts to transition into, you know, progress and, and all of that. So the biggest thing me and Vin Johns just talked about this yesterday, the day before uh, was like for me, it's getting movement back. 
the first yes. thing I'm doing after competition is movement. Like I need to spend one to two days of of functional movement and yes, sir. you know b- doing that movement, and then also before and the bookends of my week are really focusing on like pliability. So doing yeah. a lot of plyo, uh, even Pilates. Yeah, is one of the last things. The last two years, I you know really kind of working on uh, Pilates videos and doing different movement stuff. It's huge, but absolutely. But most people, when they get into that training process, or if, if you're young, so even probably if you get somebody out of high school that's coming up that's been working out, they're so f- focused on pushing, pushing, pushing <laughs> that they forget the development of you know, the functional movements that not only benefit recovery, but then you're actually able to, you know, get through any plateaus maybe that you're getting through. A lot of times you hit those plateaus and you, instead of thinking, oh, I just need to push through this plateau, you need to think, okay, maybe what movements can I begin to utilize that are going to help me to access, you know, different muscle fibers or absolutely they're going to help you to actually get through that. What's your thoughts on on that and kind of how maybe you're, you know, develop athletes in that way to kind of think more on that? Because each individual is a little unique in what they're going to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the tough thing about what we have is that you're uh, you're the most important thing for me when I'm working with a client is their confidence. And most not most quite a few of uh, my clients personally wrestled uh, specifically in high school or college. And that mentality, what makes them a successful rough stock athlete and they were a successful wrestler is that intensity, go, 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 go. And so I have to try to bridge that gap, explain to them in as much layman terms as possible, a little bit of the science behind recovery and why recovery is important and why maybe dialing it down some, there's a time to go, 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 and there's a time to rest. And I have to try to bridge that gap and I, and I have to try to meet them in the middle somewhere so that they feel like they're adequately training. They feel that now remember emotions are not always tied to reality, but they need to feel excuse me, like they're training appropriately because when they run their hand in that rigging or they take that wrap in that bucking chute, if they think that the things that they've been doing at home aren't helping them, it doesn't matter the scientific foundations behind it. It doesn't matter if it's the best program. If they don't believe that it's actually helping them, it will not help them and they will not be successful. So I have to have them confident that what we're doing is actually moving them forward and I have to bridge that gap somewhat. And that's the one of the most difficult parts of my job. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I wrote them three workouts a week. They're rehabbing a leg injury. They still wanted to work upper body. I wrote them three workouts a week for this upper body. There's a lot of stuff going on lower body. We need to be recovering. They're like, yeah, I've been doing the upper body stuff like every day. And then I had to have this conversation about like, Hey, like recovery is important, blah, 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 blah. So that's, that's one of the most difficult parts when it comes to your recovery. That is where the adaptations happen and that's where the gains happened. You know, if that's where recovery is where you're going to actually make process of progress. And the, one of the biggest ways in which we recover is sleep. 
quality sleep. And I talk to athletes about that all the time. If you haven't ever tracked your sleep, you should, you should try, especially if, you know, with an Apple watch or something like that. We, a lot of our coaches have used a whoop strap and we recommend those out. They're great tools as well, but whether you, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to just say, Hey, you got to pay for this other thing too. But if you're in a spot where you're interested in trying tracking sleep and finding out how much deep sleep you get deep sleep is when we're going to produce growth hormone after adolescence and that growth hormone is going to repair tissues ligaments tendons and when i learned that and i realized the number one thing i can do for myself on the road is get deep sleep so i bought a, a whoop strap subscriptions so that I could start paying attention to how I was sleeping. And I really start setting up my sleep environment in the camper we were in. I'm going to get a custom mattress. I'm like, it was always dark. We kept it cold. We tried to set up so that I could recover. And then just like you said, movement is medicine. And so moving that body, a lot of times we get a little stove up and we're like, oh, I better just sit on the couch and, you know, like swipe on Tinder, whatever it is that 19 year old bull riders do these days. And that's that's actually probably setting you farther back. Instead, just a little bit of movement. And the mis like the misunderstanding is that we have to go get in this full long workout. Man, 20 minutes of just some body weight stuff. We're lengthening and contracting the hamstrings, the quads, we're working our shoulders, we're working on range of motion, and we're becoming more mobile. Not necessarily more flexible, which flexibility is a good thing, but we're owning that range of motion. I want to be strong in these new range of motions that uh, range of motion that I'm getting as I'm stretching, because that's where that's where I'm going to have more stability and more control in my shoulders, in my hips. If I own that new range of motion by doing mobility drills, something simple as what we would call a, a shin bar switch where you're just sitting on the ground and you're just flopping your hips from side to side, which if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the shin box switch, I made it just sound extremely silly, but you can Google it. Um, but just we'll basic it after you Google it. <laughs> Absolutely. But just basic exercises doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't, it honestly, on a recovery day, it shouldn't be intense. We're looking at just that low pace of just quality movement. And I could not agree with you more. And then that right there sleep, uh, some movement. And then the last thing I might throw in there is paying attention to our nutrition. So a lot of times we get done getting on a bull. I don't care if you're a PBR athlete or a PRCA athlete, and you've been on two or three over the weekend, or you've been on five or six over the course of the week. When we get done riding, we haven't ate since noon, one o'clock. We don't eat anything pre-rodeo. It's nine o'clock when we get on. All the restaurants are closed, but there's a hospitality tent that has a little bit of fried fish left, which is fine. I love fried fish. I'm not, but we're going to have one slice of fried fish and we're going to have six Coors Lights. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I'm not any, against drinking either. Uh, there's there's a handful of people that listen to this that probably can remember some times in which we've had a lot of fun together with alcohol. Okay, I'm not against drinking, but I am saying that that's not going to help your body recover. And so we do that three or four times a week, maybe at a and maybe at a minimum for some people when they're rodeoing. And it's no wonder that by the time we get to September, we get to Pendleton, we feel like crap. We're worn out. Our body hasn't been recovering. We've been abusing it. And every dose of stress requires a dose of recovery. 
And let me, I promise you, getting on a bull, roping a calf, riding a bucking horse is a dose of stress. And in, in, in America, what we're really good at is having about seven or eight or 12 or 15 doses of stress, low sleep. We got to drive all night to make the next rodeo. We're going to have a couple beers. We're going to get on a bull. And then we give it about half a dose of recovery every week. And we're like, I don't know why I don't feel good. <laughs> like, dude, it, we got to, you got to start listening to your body, but that's just uh, a topic for another time. But I, I think that I, I could not agree with you more. Movement is huge. Pay attention to your nutrition, what you're fueling yourself with, getting proper sleep. If, if 19, 20 year old guys that are coming up through the ranks would implement those three and do some research on those three things and how they can best fit them they're going to be amazed at how good they feel into their, and they're consistent with them into their thirties, late thirties, maybe early forties. I don't know. We're not there yet, but I think that we're going to, you and I are going to live to see that. The, we're the, seeing the, it. We're yeah. seeing it now within. Absolutely. We're seeing it now within the last 15 years for sure. I, I'm, I'm 29. I, I haven't even reached the peak, which I, I started late. So, yep. so I was, I, I I'm a little unique in that I was developed on the uh, the more the nutrition side and the training yes, the skill set of uh, the more the training side and then you know starting at eighteen nineteen I never knew anything about the sport you know I didn't even cowboy growing up I was in yes, an athletic so so then taking that time you know the last ten years to just in development of skill set. Mm. Uh, which a lot of these guys grow up in, you know, a majority of them grow up, you know, they start riding when they're young steers, you know, they yep. kind of go through that and they develop that. And then the whole training side's the, the next part. But uh, I think that right now I'm just, I'm just now hitting my, you know, I'm just now beginning to hit a peak, you know, I love that. if you even want to call that, I, yep. you know, in places I've never been in and physically too, after having seven surgeries, <laughs> yep. after yep. going through all of that, you know, understanding how the body works and how none of that is going to keep you from longevity. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, absolutely. There's ways in which you can manage through that. And and now you're seeing guys riding until they're 35, 40 yep. at a yep. very high level. Yep. And yep. I mean, you're heck, you're seeing a couple guys that are in their late forties. Yeah. You look at yeah. Ben Johns and Ed Nye, Caminas, <laughs> yep. and yep. you know, you're two different guys, two different ways of doing it, two different backgrounds. Yep. But able to perform at that high level and maintain a, you know, physically to be able to do that. Hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom fitted and shaped to perfection with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this, the founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. 
trust me, you won't be disappointed. Back in the day, you know, they it was uh, alcohol, <laughs> no training, lots of alcohol yeah. and cigarettes and pretty much everything hard on your body on top of competing, which is hard on your body. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I wouldn't uh, want to compete past 30 either. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely agree. And you know what? Neither one of those guys or both those guys have in common, you know, Ben Johns and Ed and I, neither one of them are skin and bones. Neither one. Both of, those. of them. Both yep. of them are solid. Well, you know, and both I talked of them, to Tandy yeah. talked about uh, even guys at the very, very highest level, mm-hmm. and some of the best guys in the world and ever compete are almost like jockeys. Yeah. And longevity yep. on longevity is not their friend. Yeah. It's just yep. not. Yep. They're yep. Pe- they peak out maybe higher than anybody will peak out. Yeah, absolutely. But on longevity, it's yep. it's not it's not always there just because mm-hmm. of you know if you're five two. Yep. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you. And, 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 and a lot of, a lot of, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to say a lot of them have this ideology um, that, you know, like, man, Jess Lockwood, I need to be like Jess Lockwood. And, and, and I, I don't know Jess all that well, personally, he's obviously, I respect his talent and his abilities and his work ethic. He is, but uh, one has to think that maybe if he had, if we added 10 pounds of lean muscle mass that that would maybe maybe not too but help prevent some some of his injuries not always not all of them but some of the injuries like in jess lockwood's case or in a lot of bull riders case would have been much less serious if they if if they were a little if they were a little stronger they were a little bit more durable you know and there's that that line we always want to be super light and we want to and we think about I mean I've had I've had calls with multiple guys that were at the world finals this last year over the course of the last couple of years and they're like hey I need to you know lose ten pounds my agent says I need to weigh this and I'm like. <laughs> Dude, your your agent tells you that? How many bulls has your agent been on? Like, come on, dude. There's no possible way that we're going to lose 15 pounds in two weeks so that you can be 148 pounds. <laughs> you're not going to feel very good. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to feel horrible. Your energy levels are going to be in the tank. You'd be much better to be 157, 158, be strong, energy levels high, feel great. We still lose a little bit of weight, and we are definitely, we certainly need need to be relatively lean could not agree with that more i'm not saying that you need to be a chunky bull rider but if we can just if we can have a little bit of muscle mass man it's going to help you be more explosive it's just going to help with injury prevention which is almost a joke in our sport but i mean that's for lack of better term that's the words i'll use for that but it's just going to help overall performance by being just a little bit uh, a little bit harder to kill yeah, I, and there's a huge balance there, and it's so individual too because even weight proportion and and muscle mass depending on your body, your body yes. type. You know, are you yes. six foot? Are you five four? Are you five eight? <laughs> yeah, three different. You know, and some Absolutely. people are a are a very skinny six foot. Some people are a solid six foot. Everybody's so different. I mean, Keith, Keith yep. Hall, Andrew Alvidra, these guys yep. freaking. They they'll beef up real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Like they can yep. gain some weight and they yep. gain it real quick. Where for me, yep. I and I prefer it. I yep. I not that way. You know. Yep. Yep. I'm pretty pretty right there in in the middle. Like I can put on weight, but I, but I don't have to like worry so much about putting it on too quick. Absolutely. You know, I can manage my weight maybe easier than some of those guys. But at the same time, I kind of feel like if you're taller and you're lankier, you need to be more aware of where yes. your weight's at 
Yeah, where the shorter can... guy can get away with a lot more on pro weight proportion. We should all be yep. balanced, but there's, you know, what that balance should look like is a little bit yep. different for a guy that's center of balance is, is smaller. Stuff like uh, that gets technical. Yeah, um, it gets it gets really technical. It gets uh, it, and that's why having some sort of individualized program, whether whether you're working with a coach or or you've had prior experience or whatever it is, but but making sure that the program that you're on, whether you've written it yourself or it's coming from a coach, is set up for you and your body type and your what you enjoy working out. If if every workout you go do, you absolutely dread probably not going to be real consistent. And we know just like doing your drills, would you, you're going to do, you know, 50 reps on the drop barrel one time a week or do 15 reps every day? Well, I mean, the answer would be, that's just an example. I'm not a bull rider. I don't know, but I'm just saying the, the answer would be being consistent and doing those 15 reps every day is going to get you farther along than that one time. Same thing with your training. It doesn't have to be this perfect two hours where we're in there just killing ourselves and sweating. But it, if we could do 20 or 30 minutes, you know, four or five times a week, whether it be mobility or strength work, whatever it might be, that's going to help you move forward much farther than waiting until it's perfect uh, until we have those two hours because you know for rodeo athletes perfect never comes and, and being purpose just being purposeful you know having mm. purpose behind what you're doing i think it for me the biggest thing like when i go into my week there's when i go to work out it, there's purpose behind it yes. and so that takes away a little bit too for me on the so transitioning into the mental side and how that yes. kind of for me that, that that ties in works a couple ways. Yeah. I uh, function better when I'm up at four thirty, four four thirty yep. in the morning, yep. and I'm I'm starting the day that way. I just function better. Yeah. Uh, do I, I I don't like it. I prefer to be a night out. <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer it. But yeah. purpose, you know, you know, when I when I look at the the purpose behind what I'm doing and how my body's you know reacting and functioning, uh, I know that getting up at four thirty. Yep. I also know that uh, routine is great, but I mm. often get too comfortable within a routine, yep. and so then challenging myself. Running is great; it's not great for performance. Yep. But I hate running, and so. Yeah. You know, if there's a day where I'm like, you know, I feel comfortable going in to work out. Like I feel yep. just, just comfortable doing yep. it. Yep. I'll, I'll just skip it. I'll go run yep. 20 miles. Yep. That's <laughs> awful. Yeah. After yeah. you go do that, you just, you know, like, cause j just to get through that. And yes. then, you know, you're that, that, that mental approach is, I think a, a huge tie in, like, instead of getting to the point where, whenever we're not feeling or we're feeling comfortable, we either just kind of go through a workout, which I think is better mm. to take the day off than to just, yeah. just to go, go through, through it. Motions. Yep. Go through the motions. A lot of times you sacrifice form and you're yep. actually, you're, it's a detriment to your performance to do mm -hmm. that. Whereas if it's exhaustion, you need to say, mm -hmm. okay, why am I exhausted here? Am I mm -hmm. exhausted because I've been training hard and I haven't given my body the rest and recovery it needs? Am I not getting enough sleep? Yeah. Um, is it a lack of motivation? If it's a lack of motivation, then I need to do something stupid hard I don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then after you get through that, then a, a lot of times I find I'm motivated again. Yeah. And I didn't lose there. I, I benefited from mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. That is the, the mental part is the, is it, it's the key. It's the key, you know, that's the key to performance in life in general is, is what's between your ears and, and the things that we can do. That's one of the things that we battle is the misconception that our workouts should be built to make us mentally tough all the time. And so we always think that like, okay, I've got to have this really hard workout that mimics the rodeo arena, which is not possible. And if I'm not just like leaving a sweat angel on the floor, then I, I didn't really accomplish anything. There is a lot of, of that. That's where it draws back to that like confidence thing I talked about at the beginning. I have to bridge that gap between scientifically, eh, but what you're comfortable with or what you're, you know, maybe in this situation uncomfortable with, what's going to give you an edge mentally, we've got to bridge that gap. And, and what, like, that's one of the, the more difficult parts, but your, your, your brain is, is it's the key to performance, especially in rodeo. And that's why we can see guys that do hard things that, that maybe have it mentally together and they have perfect fundamentals and they win they win gold buckles. They maybe have never been inside a gym. And the only time they see a doctor is when there's something seriously wrong. They have broken a bone. They've got something like that, but everybody wants to look at those very few examples yeah. and say, Oh, there, well, he, he, he can do it. I'm like, that guy has more talent in his pinky finger than you would in three of you. Like it's, it's insane. And, and the fact that he's got it together up here in a way in which you don't have it together up there. And so that's where the training comes in, in the longevity of things. We've seen so many guys that are mentally tough. They do hard things like you're talking about. They've got perfect fundamentals, but they're done by 28. And so, well, it, man, it, maybe if they were 19 or 20, maybe, again, it's just theoretic, uh, th theoretically, we won't know. But maybe if they were at 19 or 20, they started – getting on some sort of adequate training program, could that have extended their career? I think that in most situations, the answer is yet. Or yes, there's not always because there's always acute things. You get whipped down in the bull riding and, and get busted up or you have a really, really bad concussion or a series of concussions. I don't care how hard you've trained you're like, we're, we're getting close to the end. Probably, you know, when you start talking about messing up your brain, that's just, it's part of the sport. But uh, there are a lot of injuries that set guys out for years. Uh, you know, you think six months here, eight months there, uh, you know, a year here that some of those injuries maybe weren't completely avoidable. But I think that the effects of some of those injuries could have been much less if they were on an adequate training program. And that that's yeah. it's a it's a, a, a huge part. The, the mental aspect is I mean, it's it's almost everything when it comes to performance, especially in the rodeo arena. Yeah, and, and I think it's so undeveloped within the rodeo world specifically because you don't see this as much in other sports. You don't see people put at a pedestal for their performance without their training <laughs> regimen. You don't, you, you never, you just don't. Like what, I, even, even the guys that were, okay, John yep. Daly. All right, yep. he's one of the top, but he's not put at the same pedestal as, you know, a guy like Phil Mickelson or Tiger yep. Woods, you know, yep. who put in the work. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, you don't there. You just don't see very many people put on a pedestal, whereas it's not in the, as an excuse. So, for instance, you don't have a guy right now 
you don't have very many. I'm not going to say there's nobody out there. You don't have anybody that's like, look, my goal is to be a PGA, you know, champion, right? So I either want to win the FedEx series or I want to win a major. You don't see those guys saying, I'm going to do it the way that somebody that's not working out has yeah, done. Absolutely. And there's been yeah. multiple. It's not. You yeah, know, yeah. There's, just like in every sport, there's guys that are just freaks. But yeah. you don't see anybody that's saying, look, John Daly, that's that's it. I yeah. need to drink more Diet Coke and smoke more cigarettes. <laughs> that's yeah. the answer. Yeah. Uh, there's there's always that precedent of skill and working very difficult to hone in on that art of perfection yes. that is, is done through. It, it, golf is a great example of, training mm-hmm. uh, that's not a long-term thing that's a recent development within the sport that tiger probably started yep it's since tiger anyway that you yep. start seeing this physical development of golfers mm-hmm. i you you still there yep yeah i oh. got you can you hear me yep screen went blank um oh. yeah so you don't you, you that golfing similar in bull riding and being an individual sport and stuff like that. You still don't see it in other sports for sure. Mostly yep. because in other sports, you not allowed to do that. You're not going to be <laughs> on a football team and be allowed yeah. to do that. Yes. Uh, you're not yes. going to play in the MLB and just get away with doing nothing. Yep. Although I think football is probably more so MLB. There may be a little bit more of a, yep. a fluctuation yeah, there. But probably MLB is more skill development. So even Mm -hmm. if the even if if the training development isn't there, baseball, these guys are spending years of development before they are even allowed to be at that high level. If you're 22 and you make it in the MLB, you are stupid young. Yeah, (laughs) you're you're stupid young. Like people don't think about that, but. Yep. You know, 25, 24, that's that's an age yep. where people start breaking into the major leagues. Yep. And yep. and rodeo is it's a different beast, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that with the caliber of bulls that are coming up, there there's there is gonna be a need here. Yes. That is no, there is a need. Addressed. There is a need. Yeah, there is, <laughs> there is a, a I could I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. It's only going to it's only going to continue to be that way in the future. Yeah. I mean, these bulls have special feed rations. These bulls are getting swimmed. They're they're getting exercised so that you so that you can roll down the road 30 minutes from your house, smoke four marble reds on the way, drink two keystone lights and land at the end of the gate. Like, come on now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going like, what, what are we doing here? You're there's no possible way that you can just go work at the sawmill or go work at Walmart Monday through Friday and punch the clock. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about having to work a job. Okay. Right. There's nothing. I, I, I love that. And I think that it, it builds some, it builds some character to have to go work a job where we can't all be professional athletes all the time. But with that being said, you're not going to on top of the job you're not going to do any training you're not going to necessarily watch any film you might ride your stationary barrel once or twice or your drop barrel once or twice a week but yet you're going to go to the rodeos on the weekends and you're going to go get on these abbi calves <laughs> okay you well, know like it's it, just, anymore it just, 
anymore. Yep. ABBIs. This is yep. me and Keith are talking about this because, like, during the regular season when there's velocities and stuff, yeah. they'll have yeah. ABBI events and stuff. And yep. I'm I'm going to an ABBI event every yep. day of the week. I'm going <laughs> to okay. skip yeah. a team deal to go to an yep. ABBI because yep. I know if I go to that team deal, they're going to ride twenty and. Yep. I I'm yep. completely it's up to what I draw. Whereas I know ABBI, yep. I'm gonna go get on a good bull, and yep. if I ride, I'm gonna win more money and get more points. Yep, one hundred percent. But you're training, you're preparing, kicker. and this is the kicker though: the bulls at the ABBI classics aren't much better than the bulls even at a bull teams. I'm yep. gonna say it. They're yep. not that – there are certain ones in the bull teams, sure, that are on the weaker side. But some of these bulls at these bull teams are world final caliber bulls. Guys are going yep. 89, 90 on them. I got yep. on a bull team bull earlier this year. I was like 87 and a half. They'd rode him seven times out of – he was 38 and eight or seven. 30, yeah. 38 and yep. seven. He had over yep. 40 outs on, you know, at that level and thrown off, you know, on the UTB. And he was at a bull yep. team event. And yep. you're not getting on a classic bull, not too many classic bulls that are any better than that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yep. so yep. the caliber of bulls overall has gotten bigger. Yes. So much to the point, and I'm all about, too, weekend warriors. I'm all about people yep. that love the sport. I yes. think there's more of them. We need to encourage that. But now, more than anything, we need to spread awareness. Guys, these bulls are getting so good that you may go 30 minutes from your house at a local deal and get on a bull that you're legit can be 88 points on. I completely agree. Uh, there, uh, there's, I live in, I live in Southern Illinois. I don't even live in what most people would consider rodeo country. Okay. But five miles from my house is a guy that has, I mean, he doesn't hold a PBRs. He has open rodeos during the summertime. And I'm going to tell you that probably the weakest thing that he owns is a 19 pointer. His, his bulls are absolutely outstanding. Now, none of them are just like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to get on that. They're all, uh, they would look again, not a bull rider, have no desire but they look like they're relatively rider friendly, but they buck, you know, yeah. and, and they're everywhere you go. Now these bulls are, man, they're getting after it. They're like I said, they've, they've got, I mean, a lot of times they're on some sort of feed ration. They're getting exercise. They're getting taken care of and you're just gonna show up and win. Like very rarely does that happen. Um, very, you, you gotta, you gotta be putting in the time, especially on that mental development. You know, we think about, like I think about performance really is the culmination of your mental development, your physical development and your skill development. And if we, we grow too much in any one of those things, we're, we, we're not going to see as much success as if we grow in all three of them together. You know, now, mind you, I did say that your mental development is huge, you know, your skill development, you can be moderately successful or even or even wildly successful with those two things. But to really be the complete package and have some longevity, we've got to take care of that physical development as well. And and that that mental edge that that comes from training appropriately, from practicing that confidence. I believe that confidence is the rough stock or a rodeo athlete in general's number one asset is their belief in themselves that they can actually and not just i believe i can do it i believe i can do it like the the little uh train that could or whatever you know that like this is a subconscious belief about who you are as a person and the type of things that you accomplish it, it, if if you don't have that you got to find a way to get it before you're going to be successful i think there's two one thing was a fad that hit our culture and it certainly has hit the rodeo world because of that is 
they're the difference between sports psychology mm-hmm. and motivational speeches. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you right now, I don't care yes. how many times mm-hmm. you say I'm the greatest. Yep. <laughs> and this whole idea that you can fake it till you make it. Yeah. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Preach. Preach. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a great man. way to get killed off. To get killed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I I'm the I'm the baddest sucker here. I'm gonna go enter and get on some rank bulls and then not make it past the gate. And uh and, and yeah, that doesn't I, mean I you shouldn't develop yourself into the you know of the reality of I am yes. prepared and confident and capable. Yes. And it and 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 the reality there meets yes. that uh, expectation instead of this expectation is not based on the reality of what is i, I think yes the physical aspect is a is a great the, i think it's great for the psychology of it too because mm-hmm. then you understand that you know expectation versus reality when you're training yeah like look i can I've... go in there and be like hey i can deadlift 600 pounds and i can expect to and i can do whatever but the reality <laughs> When yep. you go throw your back out, you know, or yeah, even, even I, if it's not even that extreme, even if you're like, I expect this, but then all of a sudden your form is compromised to the yes. extent that you get hurt. Yes. So I think that 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 is a a a, a great uh, training exercise, <laughs> I, I, mental I training agree. exercise to kind of develop you into, you know, steps. Uh, for me, I in three years, three four years. I made my uh I got on tour for the first time. I yep. I didn't know anything about the sport. Yep. Did nothing. You know, yep. did not have this cowboy background. In three, yep. four years I got on tour. I was lacking some major things. But yep. nobody was there to help me. Like no, I was all not. on my own. Yep. And even the skill set has not been developed. Yep. There's guys yep. out there right now that, that have the information, you know, and some of these coaches are some of them. That yep. knowledge is not given to everybody. The no. youth aren't given that knowledge except yep. for specific ones. You know, like my dad was telling me the other day, we were talking and he's like, man, he's like, you know, if you'd have just moved to Texas, you know, you would have had that access. Yeah. And I didn't. And I'm glad I yep. didn't, you know, but, yeah. 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 but because of that, I did a lot of things on my own to where that skill development actually happened later on. But Yes. Even though that skill development was my training was on point mm-hmm. and my that that talent aspect was on point and it took yep. me pretty far. But yep. the downside of that was a lot of kind of injuries over until I started that skill development. Actually, you know, the last few years I've been, you know, healthy. Yeah. In in rider terms, yeah, in in that term, <laughs> yeah. you know, been yep. been healthy, but yep. before that, I was getting hurt a lot, and it was really a skill development issue. It yep. wasn't anything else, you know, more major issues that were yeah. being caused by that. No. So I think there's two sides. I think uh, the skill development coming up, you know, if they're want, really wanting to get in these teams and stuff like this, Tandy, I've had conversations with him where he said, look. There's only so many guys that can handle this caliber of bull. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, if they keep expanding and, and they want to make this a league, they're gonna run into that right there. That, absolutely. There's, there's guys yeah. that come through amateur series yep. that look really good. Yeah. But they yeah. haven't been tested on that that caliber of bulls. And their body hasn't been tested and their mind yeah. hasn't been tested to do it week in and week out. And uh, 
and you know you go to amateur do you, i every year if i go to an amateur bull ride and last year when i was come back from uh knee surgery which was only four months and i rode with it for about a year because i did mm -hmm. things right physically yep. and then i got that done i came back i rode i bucked off one bull in two three months yep yep <laughs> you know and these amateur yep. bulls they look good yeah. on but yeah. they're not the same no so, so on that, you know, they're the, they're the big skill development that I think is going to have to start taking place. And only one person, I love Cody Custard. I, yep. he, he's awesome. He's one of the best out there when it comes to skill development. Uh, and then, you know, the only person really that's really been out there is Gary. Not a yep. huge fan. I was bigger fan of Gary to start. I, you know, as I've grown into a lot of this and, and yep. been around some of these guys that, you know, like the Cody Lamberts and yep. Paulo Krembers. And I'm like, oh man, I was deceived in a lot of ways that really cost me in yep. that next level. Yeah. Didn't cost me yep. an amateur deals. So, yep. but on, on what you guys are doing specifically with the training process, yep. the flip side of that is the use. Yes. And developing use physically because these mini bulls, there's some of yep. these mini bulls out there that these kids, I don't think, should have any business getting on. But it's not, look, if there's more money that's being poured into the sport, kids are going to get sacrificed. Yep. So <laughs> that's exactly what it is. They're going to get it, sacrificed. The and... altar is the rodeo arena, and we are just straight up sacrificing <laughs> our children right now. It. I, I'm not. I've had. Three or four phone calls in the last two weeks with junior rodeo parents who have eight to 12 year old sons that are maybe riding mini bulls, maybe getting on mini ponies or saddle bronc horses or whatever. They've been interested in a training program for their child. And so I pull no punches. I tell them exactly, number one, what the training program is going to look like. Well, he needs to be stronger. Well, he's nine. So right now <laughs> we need to learn. He needs to learn. He just needs to learn how to move his body through space. As we get to puberty and we start to grow, when they get to 13, 14 years old, they're going to be riding bulls in a completely different body in 12 months from now. They're going to have to, we have to learn just how to move. We, we don't, it's, yes. Will they get stronger? Absolutely. But it's from, it's the neurological advancements in their body and being able to connect those pathways. It's not a, we're not going to have a ton of hypertrophy or muscle building necessarily coming. There can be a little bit of a, a strength adaptation in, in younger people for sure. But uh, most of it is going to come from just that central nervous system and that connection. And I've had to have this conversation conversation with them like they're I'm I'm probably not going to do with them what you're thinking that they need number 1 number 2 like how and and I I have kids that junior rodeo and my son loves to ride sheep well up to this point has loved to ride sheep he ate it really hard last time I might have broken egg in him I'm not entirely <laughs> sure but up to this point, I've I've been having these conversations with myself. What am I going to do in the future? What am I going to and and I think that we we've got to understand that a lot of parents are living vicariously through their children and they're pushing them to these heights and a lot of the kids want to do well. They want to succeed for sure. Um but we learn so many bad mechanics as a nine, 10, 11 year old riding, whether it be, especially in the, especially in the, you know, I say horse riding events, whether it's the steer bareback or the steer saddle bronc, there's a lot of faulty mechanics that get learned. Cause that's how, when, when a pony is running 90 miles an hour down the arena and you're nine 
you can't lay all the way back, mash with your feet and, and ride them correctly. What do you got to do? You got to, got to like mark them out. And then you kind of got to like sit up. And next thing you know, you're 16, you're trying to get on bucking horses. We've got some injuries that have piled up from when you were younger and they haven't necessarily healed properly, or they've, they've kind of influenced your growth. And now we're having to relearn all those fundamentals. So the second thing that I, I the conversation I have with junior rodeo parents is like, like, and as, as respectfully as possible, like be as selective as you can when you're hauling your kids, you know, I mean, we're luckily at this stage of life, this could change tomorrow at this stage of life. We're luckily in a position in which I have a little small arena here. We I'm able to have a couple sheep here. So I'm in outside of the fact that it's livestock, you're never in complete control. I'm in as much control as I possibly can be at all times of the situation and him getting on sheep. And with that, and that would be the way that I would choose to progress it. If any of my sons decide that they do want to rodeo, I want to, while they're learning, I want to try to control as many of the variables as possible, which at times isn't very many, but I do want to try to control that so that they can they can learn appropriately, learn correct fundamentals, and and they can set themselves up for success later later on in life. There's so many youth things now, the Yeti World Finals and this and that, and those things are great and they're so, so cool. And I'm really glad that we're getting the youth involved and giving them something because for a while there wasn't much. If we're honest, we haven't done a great job of taking care of our youth, and now there is. But the flip side of that is is okay now we've got so many things that maybe we need to we need to just be a little selective about where we're hauling our children what we're exposing them to and and how it's going to affect them in the long term if they choose to do this as a living or in college they want to go get a and 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 you want do you want to set them up for uh are you trying to set them up to win a world title in the in the the junior deal this year or are you setting them up to win a gold buckle or qualify for the NFR in 10 years they don't look the same they don't look the same and that's where we have to make some tough decisions as parents of like, okay, I know that they're begging, they're begging me to go and they're begging me to do this and they want to do this. But I, as their dad know that like, if this is something they're going to pursue later on, I need to be very selective. I need to pull the reins back. We need to wait till they develop a little bit. And then we can start to introduce some of that other stuff. Sorry. That's my, that's my soapbox. I I've just, it's fresh on my brain. Cause I've had quite a few phone calls about it and, and I have kids myself. So. Yeah. I, I, man, me too. And and we're in a culture too, where uh, I, called the post-truth culture. Okay? Oxford coined this in 2014. Okay, and basically, post-truth, it, unlike um, uh, post-modernism. So post-modernism mm. is kind of this this belief that there is no truth, or yeah, yeah. Know, anybody can have their own truth. It truth yeah. is not really. So it's subjective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't hold up because is what you're saying true. So it falls apart on itself real quick. So our culture has gone to this post-truth where there is truth, right? Truth is there and it's objective. However, my preferences outweigh Uh, the truth. mm, So mm, now mm. my preference is actually worth more than the truth. Yeah. And then you have two, this is, this is where you have, it gets confusing a little bit. You have hard post-truths and soft post-truths. Hard mm. post-truths being where I know this is true and I choose my preference over it. Just period. Yep. You know? Yep. Uh, yep. Like, 
I know that if I want to, you know, perform this way, I need to train this way, but I prefer to maybe kind of do it halfway. I, I yeah, prefer yeah. to, you know, you know, have a good time and drink every night, even though I know the truth that this is impacting my performance and recovery. Yeah. I'm my preference is I like to party, yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. Hard post truth, you know, it soft post truth is where you're like, I'm not even really going to consider whether this is true or not. I'm just going to do what I prefer. Yeah. I'm not going to ask the questions. I'm not going to address mm. it. If I don't really know, then what's the big deal? And you see a lot of that. Yeah. You see a lot of, <laughs> yeah. you do, you have the people that are hard, like, yeah, yeah, I know this and I just prefer it this way. And yep. then you have people that are like, they don't even want you to talk to them about it because yeah. they don't want to, they don't want to intellectually come to the reality of, okay, this is true. And what I'm doing, it goes against what is true. Absolutely. And yeah. so I you think just, yeah. as, as kids, as kids coming up and I have, two kids too it's like i want to train them to like what is true mm. what is true and know that my preference it doesn't always go against the truth but it yep. it sure as heck shouldn't yeah i should absolutely. prefer the truth now we can get more into truth and get into like what i believe the biblical worldview is as the foundation yep. of truth but yep. but that aside you know i raising children up to to notice and to inquire and to think through Okay, what yeah, is yeah. true here? What is the reality of what needs to be done? What is? Yep. And, you know, then what are my preferences? And why do yep. I prefer this? Is yep. it, you know, do I prefer this because it may be instant, satisf uh, instant, instant satisfaction? satisfaction? Yep. <laughs> um, you know, is it instantly satisfying or... And that's why I choose this this over that. And, you know, yep. maybe that truth, maybe that's more fulfilling, you know, if yep. I, but it's harder right now. I think diet's a huge thing. I think it yeah. may be the number one thing because some of these guys, I think they're all about. I believe that a lot of guys are all about maybe doing some training. It's yep. the yep. diet that mm -hmm. they don't want to address. Yes. Yes. Or they don't know how to address or it. Or they don't you know, know how to address it. They that, could that's, do, yeah. There's yeah. so much misinformation out there. I mean, you get on Instagram for 10 minutes and you're bombarded with all kinds of ideologies that say this is truth. Whether it has to do with diet, whether it has to do with spiritual things, whether it has to do with this is truth. Because we're hardwired to look for a shortcut. And so people know that. And they know that I can say the number one thing you're not doing to lose weight and it's a ploy for keto or it's a ploy for something of that nature. And I can go in, I can cherry pick studies. I can show how, while I'm not completely saying that keto is a bad thing, it's one of many tools that should be in your tool belt that could be used in your situation. Again, very individualized. However, we don't know what's true. We 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 just as a culture in general. Uh, uh, again, like uh, biblically speaking, like we don't we don't know what's true. We've gotten so far away from that in all of our culture for the most part that we we're still uh, searching for truth. And then when we think we find what truth is, then we have that choice where it's like, okay, I see that that's truth. I don't like that. I prefer this. So I acknowledge that is truth, but I prefer living this way, or I prefer eating this way, or I prefer training this way. So, uh, and then again, 
culturally speaking, people are presented with truth and they're just not even going to acknowledge that that's, that that's truth. And that's not, it doesn't even, that doesn't even resonate with me um, because I don't like it. So therefore it can't be true. And really the, the diet culture is something that fitness professionals and which I like would throw myself in there. We have done a horrible job of actually helping people. Instead, all we've done is is fought over people's attention, given them too many options, trying to promise results at, at the expense of their paycheck and of their livelihood and of their lifestyle, just so we can get more clients. And all it's done is created confusion. When the fact of the matter is, when it comes to your diet, there's a lot of tools that you can use to help you reach your goals, whether it's losing weight or gaining weight. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you want to gain weight, you have to eat more calories than you burn. If you want to lose weight, you have to consume less calories than you burn. And there are a ton. That's an oversimplification, mm -hmm. I know, because there's a ton of variables, right. whether it's hormonal. I mean, there's so many things that can go on individualized. And I just had this conversation at El Paso with one of the committee members who were asking me some questions. And I said, I can give you general guidelines and ideas. But really, it's so individual, but we don't like that answer because we want it to be quick. We want a shortcut. We want it to be fast. We want it to be effective, and we want to do it all right now. We start a program. We're going to work out five days a week. We're going to buy $1,000 worth of healthy food, and it lasts seven days, nine days, two weeks. But eventually, we get burned out, and we don't see that fat come right off immediately like that yoked dude on Instagram told me it would. And so I get upset. Now I'm distrusting of people on social media, at least until I find somebody else that I like enough or I like the way they look or I like what they say and I'm going to buy into what they do. It doesn't provide any results until, again, I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole, but until we fall in love with the process of getting where you want to go, results won't come. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I talk into my sister because she, she talks to me, the only person I don't really talk to many people about the health. I don't want to be a trainer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I told her, I was like, look, hats off to the people that will take the time to, to yeah. do that. Uh, yeah. Not for me. I, I, yeah. I, could I do it? Sure. Would yeah. I? Absolutely not. Yeah. But she'll ask me, I'm like, okay, you're my sister. I said, first yeah. of all, what I'm doing, you don't need to do. Like yeah. I'm doing something that I won't do to this extreme when I'm done yeah. writing goals. Absolutely. But, and, and, you shouldn't get so caught up. And she's someone who has gone through that process. She lost a hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah. A lot well, of that's weight. Awesome. She went through yeah. that process. But then she's in this kind of this flow, this ebb and flow. Yeah. And you're trying to gain information from the culture and stuff. And 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 you know, this year I've really been like, How do you feel? Like don't set your goal to weight loss. Don't yes. don't get off the get off the scales, maybe even just get off them. Don't even think yep. about it. Yes. Like, how can you actually start living in a way where holistically you are you you find fulfillment like you feel good and confident with where you are holistically yes, absolutely. and if you overemphasize this diet thing and losing weight like once you get to that weight what's going to happen like, <laughs> what next what, what, what next cuz you're I'm... if that's and and you're not going to find that fulfillment spiritually when i got on tour the first time the iron cowboy now coming yep. from the sports background like this was a big deal to me yeah like i was like making the mlb you know which i yeah. grew up in in that background like i i got there and out there i'm like man 
I put way too much into this. It's not what I thought it would be. Like I expected to find like life fulfillment from this. Yeah. And yeah. it just wasn't still, there. So, still got a missing hole there somewhere. It's still, yeah. So like, how do we start living holistically, you know, where yep. we're spiritually and physically yep. and mentally, like we're actually well balanced, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's what I talk with a lot of clients, not, uh, uh, to all those depths, but to the, the, the main thing that I, I'm talking with clients is like, how, how, like, just how are you feeling? Let's go off the biofeedback and what your body is telling you about what we're doing. You know, are your energy levels drained or is your sleep quality? Not very good. Is your mood really fluctuating throughout the day? Are you like, just, there's so many things. How do your clothes fit? You know, how are uh, like, are your pants easier to button harder to button? Because when we start talking about the scale, there's so many things that can influence the scale that it's not always the most accurate picture of progress. In fact, very rarely, unless you're stepping on the scale at the same time, every single day, getting consistent measurements, is it is it really going to be a marker of success or failure on weight loss or weight gain? But instead, how do you feel? And because like you said, at the end of the day, if you, you're trying to gain 10 pounds and you gain it, you're trying to lose a hundred pounds and you lose it. What then? What, like, where do we, where do we go from there? And there's always going to be something more. We always think that we're going to be happy when I, I have, I have four kids and we live in a 900 square foot house. Okay. 900 square feet. We are on top of each other all the time. And I find myself and my wife too. We talk about it all the time. We're, we're buying time until we're like, I'll be happy when we can get a bigger house next year. We'll be able to, man, I got four kids in there that are smiling. They're probably two of them are napping right now. They've got full bellies. They've been outside all day playing. We have not seen a single day in the hospital with any one of our four kids. My oldest is six. I, there are millions of parents around the world that would give anything to be in our position. And I want to gripe about a 600 square foot house <laughs> or 900 square foot house. Like, come on, dude, like we're, we're this, there's always something else and we have to find, and it's a struggle for me. I'm sure it's a struggle for you. We have to find satisfaction in something other than your performance or the results or all these things that are fleeting because at the end of the day, when, when they go away and they will, what are we left with? We're left with, we're left with nothing. The buckles like they're, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna rust. The saddles will, will, will rot. They'll get stolen. They'll get sold. They're gone. All the things. And those things are great. They're things to shoot for. They're definitely things that, that you should want to try to accomplish, but let's just not pretend that that's going to fill the void that you have. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's not. Yeah. And it, it, being in a performance driven sport. Yes. With this, this idea that you can pick yourself up by the bootstrap. Yeah. It's, it's, if you take that in, you know, there's times where you have to, in a context, in a vacuum, yes. there, that could be correct. Yeah. But if, if that's the, you know, ideology that you live by, mm. and those are the principles you live by, you are not going to find fulfillment. Yes. You just won't, you know, and yep. we talk about, you know, truth. Jesus literally said, the reason I came into this world was to testify to the truth. Yeah. Literally said that when, yep. you know, and so he came to testify to the truth that the yep. only way we're going to find real fulfillment is by 
bearing his image, which we were yes. created to do. And when Absolutely. we begin to do that, we become new beings. And yeah. out of that, then we start to do good things, yep. you know, and and that's a huge difference between the Christian worldview and other worldviews. Yes. These other worldviews are rooted in, you know, you need to feel this way. And if you feel this way, that's mm. when you're going to reach nirvana. If you think this way, you think this yep. way, this intellectualism that it's all about thinking yep. and and doing. And if you do this, that's not the Christian worldview. It's about being. Yep. And yep. When, when we become new beings in Christ, knowing yep. that the truth you know, and that we are to bear that truth that is revealed yes. to us in Christ, then we begin to do things because we should, as Christians, do good things. And we should start thinking certain ways. Like all of those are good, but those aren't the foundation. And if we try to start there, we'll yes. always, you know, we're all these other ways of thinking, they end where the Christian worldview starts. Yes. You know, that you'll yes. Become it's, this. <laughs> it's, a re, it's a renewal of the mind. You know, yeah. and you start to think a different way. And so because you start to think a different way, then you naturally start to act a different way and things start to change in your life. And the things that you say to people, the things that you act, the things that you do, your your priorities start to shift a little bit. And I actually, I mean, when I, I, I quit rodeoing for two years from 2014 to 2016, and it was because that was when I was raised in church. I was, you know, if anybody asked me, I would say that I was a Christian, but rodeo is a really dark place and it's actually cultural truly acceptable to say that you're a Christian and to not have your lifestyle back that up. And when I, uh, when I, I read, uh, Matthew seven twenty four, I think I had just, I was in college and I decided I need to read my Bible. I haven't read my Bible in forever. Who knows? And so I had to blow the dust off of it. And I started in Matthew and I got to seven twenty four, and it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father. And I was like, okay, so this passage is telling me that there are people that would consider themselves Christians that actually won't get to spend eternity with the father. And I 100% sure right now that this verse is telling me that I, uh, am not a Christian. Well, I, I, I'm definitely, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's definitely not the will of the father. And so at that moment now, like a, a true rodeo athlete, I only do things 110%. And I was like, I'd never really asked the Lord, like if he, if, if rodeo was for me, if this is the path I've just said, I've idolized rodeo. I put it on a pedestal. It's what I've lived my life for. I've worshiped it. And so naturally what I need to do is I need to stop. And so I like took a break, not intending for it to be a, a, a two year break, but I, I stepped back and I was like, I don't know, is this what you had for me is this. And what I found is that the Lord gives us these talents. The Lord gives us these things that are, that we're passionate about. The Lord gives us these, these, that like rodeo was my platform. And it was an opportunity for me to be able to uh, go into a dark place and be able to share that with other people, which looking back, I, I, I did a horrible job of, we very rarely, you know, at least for me, like, man, I, I didn't, I didn't live up to my potent, potential as far as as far as witnessing to people, as far as sharing my faith with people within the rodeo world, as I should have at the time, but that that right there, like rodeo is is such a culturally dark place that the truth, the truth again, this podcast seems to be coming back to the truth. the The truth of the matter is that when we when we look at scripture and when our when when our eyes are like when we've been unveiled, like we like, man, the, this, the spirit of God says now, like pay attention, like you're just not the same moving forward. The things that the things that used to matter don't anymore to a degree doesn't mean you have to do what I did. I would actually recommend not just like abandoning ship, but 
things things change mentally your mind is renewed and you start to see life through a different lens you start to act differently you start to it doesn't mean that you're perfect because i have i i have actually probably been the worst version of myself in my life post walking with the lord and 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 there there like there's it's it's never perfect but the fact is that like, man, I'm aware of those things. Like the, I'm convicted of those things. I've repented of those things. Like my life is different because of the lens that I'm able to see life through. And I acknowledge the truth. And instead of saying that, I, like, I want to live life my way, my preference, like I'm yielding to the truth and doing the best that I can to, which is not very good at times, but yeah, following in that. What that what that looks like, I think, is so important to this next generation coming up. And like, what it, what does it mean to live a godly life? You yeah. know, live a good life bearing the image of God. What does this look mm-hmm. like in in you know in our in our everyday lives? And one thing is, like you said, it it our focus. You know, yep. Uh, yep. one thing that I've made it a, a, a discipline to do. And I'm always doing better when I do it. It is the first thing in the morning saying, God, reveal to me today where you are. Yep. Tell me where yep. you are, you know. Yep. And then yep. and then throughout, you know, like getting even to the point where earlier this year, I got called for three slaps that I could prove with video did not happen. Cost me yep. a lot of money, a lot yep. of points, possibly cost me going to the world finals. And at the very beginning of that process, I it was complete it was it was it was it anger started building uh, of course and i yep. started and finally the last time that it happened i noticed how angry i was and i walked back into the locker room and i apologized to all the guys that were in there and i said look i'm sorry guys for not bearing the image of god will mm. what you have seen out of me is yep. not a reflection of the world view that i hold yeah a reflection of the christ that you know has paves the way for me. <laughs> that is so like, cool. You know, that's and, the hardest thing to do. And it's very difficult like that's to realize that like like wow, I've, I I have made this more than it is and because of that I have blinded myself from the mm. ability to really make decisions yes. that 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 bear the image of my citizenship which is not an American. That's yep. that's controversial. My American <laughs> citizenship means yep. Look, I love America. It, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Yeah. But my citizenship yeah. in the kingdom of God means a, yeah. a lot. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, and as... and so just little things like that as rodeo athletes in especially in a like you said a culture that is very nominal. Yep. Nominal meaning look this being a Christian, this label, if you want to call yep. it a label, this label holds value within this culture. But yep. but what that means and living out what it means to be a Christian is not is actually not looked at as being valuable at all. In yes. fact, you are going to run into it's you know it doesn't look good. When yep. I went through kind of what you were going through, I didn't get out of rodeo, but I I was very tunnel visioned. Me and Keith Hall, yep. we kind of went yep. through it together, and we yep. didn't have very many friends in rodeo. It took yep. a couple years, yep. you know. And then I then I developed. Okay, I need to learn how to actually communicate and love these people instead of just getting away from them. I need yes. to learn how to love them. But I wasn't yep. even capable of doing that before. Yep. I was, yep. you know, pulled every direction. 
but I, I I completely agree, man. It all, I mean, it sums up, it's, it's summed up, you know, the, I mean, the law and the prophets, you know, is, is summed up in this love God and love people. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's hard, it's easy to say, and it is so, so difficult to do, but instead of, you know, that's one of the things that like that, that I go back to is like, okay, how can I, man, how can I, how can I love the Lord and how can I love people today? What can I, what can I do that I don't want to do that is going to demonstrate, demonstrate the love of Christ to somebody because I, I, man, I get so wrapped up in doing my own thing and just hustle and bustle and just going that man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not very good at, at loving people from time to time. And, and, and it, and it's, it's another thing like, man, raising kids in today's culture, and it's difficult and and we like we have to do we have to do hard things we've gotten here because we've refused to do hard things in our culture we have to do hard things and one of those hard things for me you're talking about what does it look like and everybody's different everybody's situation is different and this isn't a like hey this is what you should do but this is just what it's looked like for me what the spirit of the lord has, has put on us is that I always pray with my kids before bed. I, I'm like, I always have since they were little, we say our prayers, you know, like, cool. And I, I started to get convicted about like, you know, my, my kids never, I, I read my Bible. I, I spend time in the word, but my kids never see it. I usually do it before they get up or after they go to bed, they never see it. And so we don't spend outside of church. We don't just don't spend that much time in the word together. And it's one of the things that I've been a little convicted about. And we went to church on uh, one Sunday and the, the pastor was talking about our culture today and how uh, he was talking about uh, Jacob and Esau and, and the selling of the birthright and how we've sold things that weren't ours to sell. We've made compromises that, that we shouldn't have made. And I was like, I went in his office that week and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm buying my stuff back, man. And one of those compromises was that at 8 PM, I'm tired. I don't even really like my kids that much at 8 PM. I just want them to go to sleep. And I, I'm I like, I just, I was like, yeah, we'll say prayers. We'll sing songs. We'll go to bed. No, like since then, every night that I'm home, like we're going to get in the word. They have a little kid's devotional book that links it to there's it's a few paragraphs on a story. And then it links it to a, a few verses of scripture somewhere. And we're going to go through that. And that's one of the hard things that very rarely do I actually, that's not true. I am getting to where I, I, I enjoy it, but there are a lot of nights where we've been out late. I'm exhausted. I just want them to go to sleep and stop talking. And I, uh, but like, we're going to do it. It's a hard thing that I'm going to do because it, I believe that it sets a trajectory for them and the things that they saw their parents do and what, what, what we were, what we were willing to do that maybe that, that maybe other people in culture aren't doing. And hopefully, hopefully sets them on a trajectory, you know, like, I mean, we, we want to, we want to teach them we want to teach them about the Lord. We want to, man, I, I pray every day that my children love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, strength like that, that, that they are able to, but the only part that is not in my control, just like my son riding sheep, whether my son becomes a rough stock rider or not, that is not within my control. And I have to do the best that I can to prepare them and then let them make their own decisions. I, I can't force feed it to them. I can't do it for them. They have to make their own decisions. But what weighs heavy on me is that the preparation for the rest of their life relies on me and their mother. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I have to lay my head down 
and say, did I, did I do a good job today as a father, not only just as a dad, but as a dad that wants to demonstrate the gospel in his marriage, that wants to demonstrate the gospel in the way that I talk to my children, the way that I discipline them, the way that I love them, the things that we do. And if I can lay, and I'm going to be honest with you, if you don't have kids, I'm a, I'm a spoiler alert. There are nights where I lay my head down on the pillow and I said, man, I failed today. Yeah. I didn't do a great job, but I I never stopped that pursuit of of preparing them for what's to come after life in general. But most importantly, the the spiritual war that they are going to face for the rest of their for the rest of their lives. And I think, you know, uh, kind of wrap it up because I feel like a great bookend to what we've yeah. gone over is, you know, owning your face. Yeah. Learn to own your face. Yes. You, you have to own it. Your face can't be off of somebody else. As a parent, you can't rely on the church to raise your child. It's, mm. it's your duty to do it. As as a parent, God has given you the duty to raise your children. Um, you better, you know, because you're owning your faith, you own your work ethic. Yep. Work hard. Yep. God yep. has made us to work hard, so we should work hard. And genuineness, know the truth, you know, own how we see truth you know because god has given us every every opportunity and everything we need to know the truth you know proverbs or yeah proverbs says if you seek me you will find me if you seek me with all your heart you will find me maybe psalms yeah uh own your face own your work ethic if you're struggling you know to be the athlete you want to be then own your life and what you're doing to become that i i mean I, i think it's Owning your face, owning your work ethic, and you know, doing everything to the glory of God the best that you possibly can. And yes. you're gonna fail. Yeah. But if you stay consistent with that, at the end of the day, then you'll be able to be satisfied, you know, yes. with where you are. And if you're ever your- not satisfied, be thankful. <laughs> oh. Be thankful. If you if you lay your head down at night and you're like, Man, I failed. Yep. Be thankful because Absolutely. God hasn't failed you. <laughs> yes. Isn't that the truth, man? It's all about it's all about taking responsibility of your yeah. actions. You know, I mean, you got to take responsibility for your training. You've got to take responsibility for what takes place in the arena. You've got to take res- responsibility for your emotions and most importantly for your spiritual life. I, I couldn't agree. This podcast has taken a turn that I did not anticipate <laughs> at the beginning of it. And I, I I'm here for it. I yeah, love it. I, I think I it's been it. awesome. It, it goes in, man. Truth. I didn't. I. I didn't have a topic coming in here. You know. I. These podcasts are just about having conversations. That I love it. Truth matters, and man, yep. holistic, well balanced living. I think is an important yes. part. Uh, yes. Man, it's been awesome having you, Logan. We're gonna do this again because I did have some things planned that we did not get to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, a cool. lot of a lot of gold content uh, yeah. still to come. Um, yeah. I'm down anytime. It but, has been a blast. I can't thank you enough for having me. And everybody that is tuning in, make sure you check out check out Champion Living, check out Logan. Uh, man, what you guys are doing, it's 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 needed to be done. I I look forward to seeing this expand and grow, not just in what you guys are doing, but other people that are going to start doing it and Absolutely. the development of this sport. I am all about growing this sport and getting to you know some of these foundational things that aren't going to kill everybody off like we oh, talked about so. couldn't agree more man it's it's been cool to just be a little i've never gotten in on a trend as it's taking off i've always gotten in <laughs> at the height and just rode that sucker all the way down 
So it's cool to man, kudos to Doug and and the work that he's done with Champion Living and bringing in great coaches. And it's just been so much fun to to be a small part of and see. And I agree with you. Uh the 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 18, 19 year olds of today are gonna be the ones writing the history books. And yeah. I am so excited to be able to to see that and maybe get to be a real small part in some of their <laughs> journey coming up. So um what what are your handles how can people find uh champion? so my main uh i'm on um so champion living is going to be on uh is going to be on instagram tiktok it's it's all of that i i want to say uh that it it's just uh at champion living on uh instagram i'll have to double check that to be sure but my my handle on instagram is just uh logan uh, uh let's see here it is Oh, it is Logan dot champion living and the champion living page is just at champion dot living. Um, and, and uh, we've got on that, the, on the, the champion living page itself, you can see all of our coaches. There's a, a link to our website there. So if you listen to this and you're just curious, like, Hey, I want to know more about the training options. If you'll, you'll go to the champion living Instagram page and you'll go, you can go to our website, championlivingfitness.com. There's a, a apply to become an athlete and you just fill out that form and you'll get a free consult call from one of our coaches uh and with there no strings attached we just want to hear more about your goals we want to answer your questions uh there's a possibility if yeah maybe we can work together maybe not um but that's one way that you can get more information or uh following along with us on uh, social media doug and myself paul a lot of tyler bunton a lot of our coaches are posting we post demo videos all the time like that you can plug and play into your program so uh if you're like curious and want to kind of dip your toes in the water definitely follow um champion.living or logan.championliving or any of our coaches and check out the free content that's on there and it's good too a buddy of mine literally just said um two weekends ago who was it I forget who it was. They said, um, when I was asking him about his training and stuff, he said, well, I've been getting on champion living and I've just, been, <laughs> I've just the free content. I've been just yep. looking at the demos and he said, Dude. I started incorporating some of those workouts. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's why we do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, man, we do, we, we want to provide great free content. Cause at the end of the day, we're rodeo fans. And while yes, I would do this for free. The fact that I get paid means I can help more people because I don't have to go work at McDonald's. But the, at the end of the, all of us, all of our coaches feel the same way. We just love rodeo, man. We want to see rodeo grow. We want to see the sport evolve. We want to see the athletes get better. And so we're pretty adamant about making sure that, man, we're just, let's just give stuff away. If we can help the sport better by throwing up some free demo videos, like easy, done, say less. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, Go like, follow Champion Living, uh, support them. You, I don't know if you have merch or anything. Look at their stuff. If they have something, buy it because, man, you have to make money to do what you guys are doing. It's just a fact. Like it is when you're it, building something that's gonna be doing and giving back to this rodeo community. I think it's important. So yeah, absolutely support well, them you. financially. I think that's always important. But man, thanks for joining in. Uh. Again, we want to thank Western Edge App, the platform that's kind of making all of this to go together as we look to connect and give back and kind of help give everybody a little bit of a perspective of what's happening on in this Western demographic. And, uh, you know, thank our sponsors, Sombrero Brands. They freaking make good hats. One thing that's cool about hats, by the way, that I'm learning, because uh, Sombrero Brands, the guy that makes those cowboy hats, he's out of Texas, right by the Four Sixes. Actually, Dad really? worked the Four Sixes ranch. Oh, dude, that's and, so cool. And so uh, he actually learned to make hats by American Hat. The hat, oh. the hat. I guess the hat world is not as. 
I, I say competitive. They're not like at each other's throats like a lot yeah. of businesses are. Like, it's kind of oh, that's cool. He actually got started by American, and we uh, hung out with him at the Congress. And so, Barrow Brands hats, go check them out. I just look yeah. into them. Look at I, I will definitely look into them. It's pretty cool. I the story is awesome. Family that's owned cool. and operated. They're at all the. If you go to a big rodeo, they're there. Houston. Oh, that's awesome. You know, they're everywhere. They're they're at all of them. Um, check them out. And then Cosmic Cowboys. I don't know if you've seen Cosmic Cowboys on Instagram. Oh, so, I have. I have they, seen them on they, Instagram. They, yeah. They, produce, they followed uh, Hutchinson. Last yeah. Year yeah. Yeah. I think they're getting ready to produce a, a movie or a documentary with him. And he oh, won that's so like cool. 80 grand at the NFR. Or no, he won like 80,000 in one round. He won a oh, bunch wow. of money at the NFR and they videoed all of it. So that'll be cool. Uh, that They're helping be produce really cool. this because this guy, I, I don't have the time or the, <laughs> I don't have the time to learn how to do any of this stuff. So, yeah. you know, I love to have conversations and stuff, but Cosmic Cowboys helps produce this and kind of make it what it is. So thanks guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time.